So I want you to open your Bible to Hebrews chapter 4, if you would, with me today. Uh, if you don't know where the book of Hebrews is, uh, it's way, way, way in the back of your Bible. Uh, you can find it, table of contents. Uh, you can ask somebody nearby you. If they don't know either, there's always Google. Um, don't ask Siri because she's loud during service. Uh, but uh, th- let's get to Hebrews chapter 4, uh, where we are going to be continuing this conversation about God's presence today. My passion for this conversation comes from this place here, that Jesus came here to earth as God's manifest presence. There's God's omnipresence, that God is present everywhere all the time. But then God shows up in miraculous and supernatural ways, ways of healing and strength and comfort and peace and transformation and freedom. And and Jesus was actually God's manifest presence here on earth. We're getting ready to enter into the Christmas season, and there's this phrase that we would say around church often, Emmanuel, which means God with us. That is God present here with us on this planet, healing, shaping, changing, preaching the good news about Jesus Christ. But, but, but what was so powerful about Jesus coming here to earth is that he came and he actually died in our place, paying the penalty of our sin, making it possible for us to be in right relationship with God. This is the good news about Jesus is that he, though he was perfect, he knew no sin. He actually became sin on our behalf so that we could become the righteousness of God, so that we could become right with God. This is powerful, life-changing message of Jesus Christ. But often, if, if we're honest with our lives and our kind of interior self, we have a hard time really capturing the essence of this power in a daily way where it's like, yeah, I know Jesus died for me, but I got so many problems, Richie. I got so much issues. I've got so much of my past. Many of you carry shame like it is your identity. Like like you have been broken. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe there's bitterness inside you. And and many of us have gotten so comfortable in this broken identity that, man, it kind of limits our ability to enter into the presence of God. In fact, the enemy loves this game. He he wants to get you to deny the love of God, the goodness of God, the grace of God, the power of God by getting you to fall kind of back into a trap where you are just controlled by shame, by fear, by by your past, by bitterness. And, And he is constantly lying to you, trying to drag you away from the presence of God and keep you from entering into God's presence in the way you were invited to, intended to, the way Jesus died for you to be able to. And we find ourselves kind of at a distance from God. Intimacy with God is maybe hard to come by for some of us, where we feel like you enter into a church service like this, and it's just mostly motion and religious, stand up, sit down, do the communion thing, head out, go back to the work week. We don't like that, but that's reality for a lot of us. I know for me early on in in my marriage and my story, there was so much from my past that kept me filled with shame that it it felt hard to connect with my wife or difficult even to connect with God in a real way because of how much shame was just kind of rolling through my mind constantly of things I did and said and, and thoughts I had and all kinds of brokenness in my past. And I think that this is true for a lot of us. And so today I wanna call us to be a people of God's presence that don't kind of stay at a distance from God's presence, but actually learn to enter his presence confidently, boldly. In Ephesians, or I'm sorry, Hebrews 4, this is the message of this passage is say, hey, 
God has died. God has, has sent his son to die on your behalf so that you can be right with God. You don't got to stay at a distance from God. You got to come to God in, in a place of passion and, and confidence that God loves you. He's chosen you. He's declared you innocent in his sight. And, and, and walk in this place of, of understanding and, and power of God's presence in your life in real ways. And so my hope is that God would stir this in us today. God, we want to be a people of your presence that come into your presence boldly with a sense of confidence that you actually want us there. Let's look at Hebrews 4 together. We don't know who this author is exactly. There's lots of debate in in, in scholarly circles, which I am in none of, but I read about these guys. And uh, they they are constantly trying to figure out who it is that wrote this. Uh, The clear things about this authorship is that this author knew the history of God's people. In fact, even addressing it to the Hebrews, he's addressing it to God's chosen ones who are are the ones that God has said, yeah, my salvation, my kingdom is going to come through these people. They've had this whole system of sacrifice and relating to God that now Jesus has changed completely. Jesus' arrival on earth changed their whole system completely, and many of them were struggling to enter into this new relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Many stayed at a distance from God, kind of with their old code and their old way of relating to God. Even though Jesus changed it all, not everybody entered into that kind of relationship with God. He begins to relay it in this passage as the Sabbath rest of God. That you and I have an opportunity, an invitation to enter into right relationship with God, which is like this picture of rest with God. Oftentimes when you think of rest, you think of a vacation, a day off. You think of uh, maybe getting a little extra time with the family. Maybe you're thinking about retirement. Maybe even if you're really spiritual, you're thinking about heaven, right? Like that'll be rest. But it's so much more than that. The rest, the the Sabbath rest of God is entering into communion, into the presence of God, into right relationship with God, where all is at peace in your soul. There's no anxiety, striving, straining, worry, all this stuff that controls your heart and your mind. There's a sense of confidence. God is good. He loves me. He's called me by name. And, and he has invited me into his presence. So this is kind of the conversation they're having in Hebrews 4. Look at verse 11. He says, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest that I just described. So that no one will fail by following there, the previous generations, it's who there is, their example of disobedience. Even though God had invited them in the right relationship, these guys had stayed at a distance from God, didn't heed the call of God on their life. They disobeyed God's invitation. And so the author is saying, hey, I, w- I want you, church, to make every effort to enter into this rest. It kind of feels like an oxymoron a little bit. You want me to work hard to rest? But when you think about it in the sense of, like, God's presence, like unbroken communion with God. You can kind of get a sense of the urgency of this invitation. I want you to to understand that you've been invited and that you're being called, and I want you to put all your energy and passion and joy behind this effort to enter into the rest that God has designed you to enter into. Then he shifts gears a little bit in verse 12. For the word of God is living and active. Bible that you're holding in your hands. It's living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even 
to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. It's easy for a little trepidation to kind of creep into your heart in this moment. So every time, Richie, I I sit down to read God's word, there's this sense here that it's sharp and that it's going to divide. It's going to penetrate into the very soul of who I am. It's going to go between every joint and every marrow. It's not going to get into the nitty-gritty of of my internal life, my thought life, my motivations. It's going to be able to discern the difference, and the the word of God becomes like a mirror then that, that our attitude and our heart is reflected in, and we're having a chance then to be like, oh, that's what's really going on inside me, and that's where I'm really at. And, and then there's this sense of like nothing, right? Verse 13, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Like, oh, dear God, I would rather keep most everything hidden from God's sight. I would rather stay in my, my broken places. I'd like to have those dark corners because if I don't have to deal with them, then, then, then life kind of just seems more at peace, But the author is like, no, 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 you need to make every effort to enter into the rest that God has designed you to for, and you need to come with this sense of like urgency, like, hey, you have an opportunity to know God in a real, personal, powerful, life-changing way. Don't allow the enemy to steal the presence of God from your life by getting you to suck back into those places of hiding, shame, guilt, confusion, fear, anxiety, those dark corners of your heart and your mind. That's exactly where the word of God wants to get into and begin to reveal and expose. Last week we were talking about this, right? To be a people who are prepared for the presence of God. We recognize that God is inviting us to a place of repentance, Repentance is an invitation for God to say, search me, know me. Whatever corner you want to get into, God, whatever you want to divide and everything you want to show and everything you want to discern, God, just bring it all to light, God. This is a prepared heart for the presence of God. This is the kind of people God is inviting us to be. And so we don't, we don't hear this, these couple of verses and get all afraid and get all shameful. Listen, here's why. Therefore, since we have a great high priest, who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Let me just break this down for you because I want you to hear this. These guys would have understood high priest language. At this point in in Israel's history, they were used to a sacrificial system where priests would actually offer sacrifices on their behalf to absolve their sin and their shame and their guilt. They would actually go to God on their behalf and do these burnt offerings and these different grain offerings and things like that. Depending on the sin, it was all prescribed way back in the Old Testament. And so when when this author is going, hey, you have a different kind of high priest. is a great high priest who has come through the heavens. His name is Jesus, the Son of God. I want you to hold firmly to the faith that you profess, the faith that Jesus is God, that he did die for you, that he sacrificed himself so that you could be right with God. I don't want to let... 
fear of exposure uh, ruin your, your, your time of, or your opportunity to come into the presence of God. I want you to stay, stay passionate and humble about getting into the presence of God because you have a high priest who's actually gone there on your behalf. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. So listen, let us then, let us then, real life, approach the throne of grace with confidence. How does he want us to approach? With confidence, right? Not afraid, not shameful, not not groveling. But let us then approach the throne of grace. This is the good goodness of God. Approach it with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. When you get into the presence of God, God can change you. He can heal you. He can encourage you. He can set you free. He can transform you in just an instant in his presence. Of course, the enemy would love to keep you from the presence of God. He wants to keep you from being healed, from being uh, transformed, from being made completely new. And so he's going to wrap you up in shame and guilt and condemnation and lies from your past and keep you at a distance from God. And this author is going, no, you have a high priest who went on your behalf. He's been tempted in every way that you've been tempted, yet he remained without sin. And then he willingly gave his life so that you can be free from sin, shame, guilt, condemnation. When Jesus came up out of that grave, he died. He was there for three days. When he came up out of that grave, he's declaring victory over sin and death, the thing that has bound you and held you. Jesus has declared victory over that so that you and I could walk in this relationship with God so that we can enter into the throne room of grace boldly, confidently, knowing that that is where we are going to find mercy. That is where we are going to find grace. See, our trouble is this. Many of us, we wait. We like, we're afraid of God. We're afraid of our, our sin and our brokenness, and so we, we try to get our act together before we come to God. We try to clean ourselves up and hope, hope that our performance is good enough this week or this day. Some of us even hesitate in coming through these doors uh, because of this. My past, oh man, worried that the ceiling is going to fall in on me, right? There's there's this sense of trepidation that so many of us have. And the thing that I want us to kind of hear is that there's a key pivot in this passage. Real life, you need to hold firmly to this faith that you profess. This can't just be a notion, oh, God loves me. That's cool. It actually has to affect you. It actually has to go, oh, faith is, is something that, that moves to action. It's not really faith at all if you don't do something with it. You know that. It, it actually has to make my steps different, my countenance different, my language different, my attitudes different. If it's affecting me, that, 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 that faith is going to produce stuff in my life. And for this to move from a nice idea, oh, God loves me, to actual reality is says, no, 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 he's actually forgiven me and I am his child and I'm going to walk in this freedom and I'm going to enter his presence because in his presence is where I find mercy and grace to help me in my time of need. That's exactly where I need to be. Not running from his presence, but running into his presence when I'm in need. Amen? And because of that, man, that is, that is the cry of this conversation today to go, let's become a people who enter his presence confidently. Let's be a people who recognize, wow, God, you would send your high priest 
to come on my behalf, to actually die in my place, to pay the penalty of my sin so that I could be free from all that condemnation and I could enter your presence courageously, boldly. That I don't got to sheepishly tiptoe my way around God, but that I have an opportunity to enter into his presence wherever I'm at. Every single morning when I'm sitting down to read scripture and spend time journaling, praying, hearing from God, that is a moment when, when God is saying, enter boldly. When you walk through these doors, these are moments when God is saying, I want you to come confidently, real life. When you, when you come to your, your connect group this week and, and you're sitting down to talk with other people and pray with other people, like this is a moment for you and I to recognize, oh, God's presence, he's here. I want to enter his presence. I don't want to stay at a distance and hide in my sin and my shame. I actually, God, I want to walk and hold firmly to this faith that you have called me to, that you love me and you have died for me. And I, and I God, I, I love you and I'm going to come into your presence believing that you are going to meet this need in my life, that you are going to comfort, you're going to bring peace, healing, transformation. Man, the enemy loves to keep us sidelined and at a distance from God, to be a people of his presence like we desire through this series is to know and believe who God is and how much he loves you and to, to begin to enter into his presence confidently because of this. I think that this conversation for me is just really, uh, really simple. Maybe you feel like I've just preached the gospel like 14 times in the last 12 minutes but I think what's so powerful about it is that is the essence of the kingdom, is get the gospel inside you in a way that changes everything about you. I don't just sit at a distance from this thing. Like, God, God loves you so much. And for you and I to know that, that there is a God who, who is not judging us and condemning us and, and, and sidelining us for all of our sin and all of the brokenness of our past, but he's beckoning us constantly. Come on. I, I want to give you my presence. I want you to receive mercy and find help in your time of need. I, I want you to know me and experience me in real, powerful, life-changing ways. I, I, I love for you to be in my presence. Like, to know that that is the heart of our God, for me, just fills me with so much joy and excitement about this conversation. Go, God, help us to be a people of your presence. So when you think about this, I want you to kind of just go, okay, where, where am I, like, am I actually holding firmly to this faith? Like, is it actually making sense daily for me to, to enter his presence confidently? Or have I allowed the, the good news of Jesus Christ? Maybe you've never heard the good news of Jesus Christ. Have you allowed it to sit at a distance from your heart and your mind? You've allowed anxieties or fears or shame to control you and rule your heart? Last night, this was like 2.30 this morning. I'm anxious about all these things, and I'm awake in the middle of the night, and then I'm mad that I'm awake. It's like, oh, i got to be rested for Sunday, you know? Like, and then it's just like the spiral starts, right? And it was this practical for me this morning from 2.30 to 3.30 or whenever it was that I was laying there. And for me to just kind of settle my heart and go, wow, why am I so anxious? And I'm thinking, and I'm not praying. You know the difference, right? I'm like cranking and I'm solving all these issues in my mind, but nothing's getting solved. It's just getting bigger the more I think about it. This is how practical holding firmly to this faith is. 
for me to be able to take a step back from my anxieties and just go, God, there's something powerful that you are wanting to do in this situation, and I need to just let it go to you and trust, God, that you are good, that you love me, that you love this one that I'm praying for and worried about, and that you are going to work all of this out your way, your timing, God. I am trusting that you are in this thing with me and that I can come to you now in the midst of this mess. I don't got to get it all figured out before I come to you. This is the confidence that I think God wants you and I to have when we walk into his presence. So how do you, how do, you do it? How do you approach boldly? How do you walk confidently? I would say this. Number one is you got to stand in this new identity. If you're going, how do I enter into the presence of God boldly? you got to know the identity and stand in it that God has provided and declared over you. That when Jesus died, when he, he said it is finished, that all of your sin and shame and guilt and everything that has happened is happening in your life right now has been paid for by the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. So that when God sees you, he no longer sees your imperfection, he sees the perfection of his son, Jesus Christ. And he declares you innocent, righteous, holy. He declares you his child. Think of this. Your identity, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Your identity is where you have to stand if you're going to enter into the presence of God boldly. If you're trying to stand in your old life or you're trying to stand in shame or guilt or all these things, you're going to be, uh, you're going to be at a distance from God's presence. But if you can stand in, in your new identity, courageously going, God, you loved me. You sent your son to die for me. You have declared me right, your child, your son, your daughter. Man, kids with parents, like especially toddlers, I love watching toddlers out here in the lobby as they know there's mom, there's dad. They're, they're, they're like, grab a leg. They have no, like, apprehension about getting in mom or dad's presence. They're not worried about it. This is why Jesus is like, hey, unless you have faith like a child, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. Because that kind of faith is like, my father loves me. Of course he does. He's my dad. He, he knows me. He, he loves me. He's, he's providing for me. He is, he's my dad. And I think for you and I, we, we have all kinds of baggage associated with this kind of language. But it's so important that we stand in the identity of who God has said we are, declared over us, who he is, the goodness of our God, not, not with all of the clutter of all of our brokenness and all the stories that we've been telling and rehearsing and talking about. That you got to stand in this identity. This is why we need each other, really, as a church. This is why you need to be in groups with other people where you can hear, like, hey, that's... That's not true. God loves you. Your shame does not define you. That, that sin does not control you. You are a new creation. The Bible says that you should encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today. How often is it called today? You were like so responsive this morning. I love it, right? Every day, right? Every day is called today. And when you and I just recognize, oh, we need each other to go, hey, don't, don't get sucked into shame and guilt and, and all that stuff of the past. Like, God loves you. The Bible says that he who walks with the wise becomes wise. A companion of fools suffers harms. If you surround yourself with people that think like the rest of the world, you are going to reap the fruit of that kind of life where everybody is negative and telling you everything that's wrong and everything that's broken and everything we should be mad about and everyone we should complain about. Man, we get 
tired of that. We got enough of that. We need a place where people can lift each other up going, hey, God loves you. He saved you. He's transformed you. He's healing. He's going to change your marriage. He is so good. He's breaking that addiction in your life. Like this is how good our God is. He is working powerfully in your life. This is why we need each other. This is why we need to be connected, is to stand firm in this identity. And I believe as you, as you stand firm in this, you'll, you'll begin to grow in confidence to enter into the presence of God. Isaiah 57 says it's so cool. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up. I love this. This is Isaiah saying, this is what God says. The one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity. Think of this. He's trying to describe the enormity of God. This is how amazing our God is. He inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. This is what he says. I dwell in the high and holy place and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Our God is on high, most holy God, But the moment that we recognize who we are and begin to just come to him in the place of contrition, right? We're this repentant heart in our our soul going, oh God, I, I need your presence. I need your healing. I need your grace in my life. God says, I'm there too. Not only am I on the on high, but I'm right there with the lowly, with the contrite, with the repentant heart. I want to be there with you, powerfully present in your life, being your healing and your hope and your strength. I, I'm not standing at a distance from you. If your heart is contrite and in that spot, God loves to be near in those places. For you and I to go, oh God, as I'm standing in this identity, it is, it is actually God's pleasure to invite you into his presence. It's not, you're not a bother to God. You're not a nuisance to God. You have an opportunity to, to walk into the presence of God, a God who loves to have you near in, in his presence. So come boldly. I love how the psalmist writes, if you're going to enter his courts, enter with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. If you're going to enter his gates, if you're going to come into the presence of God, come with thanksgiving. How do I enter boldly? Come with thanksgiving. Here's what gratitude does is it realigns your thoughts. Most of our thoughts are consumed with what's wrong with me, with other people, what's broken, what's not working. Gratitude shifts that completely. God, you are good. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for changing me. Thank you for healing me. Thank you for setting me free. Thank you for my marriage. Thank you for my kids. Thank you for this job. Thank you for your provision. You know, I know I don't got room to complain about the economy when I'm completely overwhelmed with gratitude for who our God is and what he's doing in our life. Amen? Gratitude changes the way you think. So if you're going to come into the presence of God, God, come in this bold, courageous, grateful way. God, thank you. Thank you that you would send your son to die for me. Thank you, God, that you would allow me to be in your presence. Thank you, God, that you'd meet me here on a Sunday morning. Thank you that you would fill this little old room with your grace and your goodness and your presence on a Sunday morning. God, thank you that you would be here with me in my cubicle Monday morning, that you would be with my kids as they're at school, that you'd be in this class with me, God. You'd be with my roommates, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Gratitude changes everything. If you're gonna enter Boldly, come with this gratitude. And I would say also, come with, with this sense of worship. Come with a sense of praise. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. What is praise? Praise is going, God, you are worth 
worth so much. You are worthy, God. You are worthy of praise. You are worthy of honor. You are, you are worth this whole life. See, see, when we're, when we're focused on our shame and our sin and our guilt and our past and all that stuff, what are we focused on? Ourselves. But when we come with praise, our focus changes onto God and how good he is, how holy he is, how mighty he is. You're the one, I love that phrase in Isaiah 57, you're the one who inhabits eternity. God, I can't even comprehend how good you are, how big you are, how amazing you are, God. I come with this attitude of praise into my day, into this meeting, into this church service. God, I come with praise. This is why we, we open services with praise. It's us aligning our hearts and our mindsets and our thoughts around the goodness and the grace and, and, and the mercy of God, not being consumed with all of our issues. We're, our issues still exist, but God is so much greater, and so God, I choose to praise you. I choose to look at you. I choose to focus on you. This is, this is, this is actual you and I coming boldly. <laughs> You're asking, Richie, how do we come boldly? This is it that you would stand in this identity, that you would get gratitude and praise coming out of your heart and your mind, that you would make a habit. I mean, every time I'm sitting down to read scripture, I'm listening to worship, I'm allowing God to permeate those times and bring me, draw me to a place of praise where my focus is not myself, it is his enormity, he is his magnitude, it is his love, it is his glory, it is his grace, it is his, this is why we're raising our hands during, during worship, right? God, I, I can't even express it with words, and so I just give you this, this arm in the air, right? I can't express it with, with, with anything else. And so God, this, all this passion inside me, God, ugh, like it's yours. I love you. I give you this life. I give you all I am. I will lay it all down for you, God. I'll hold nothing back, God. Shame is not going to define me. Fear is not going to control me, God. I come into your presence boldly. You've died so that I could be right with you. You've set me free. You've given me this invitation into your presence. So here I come, God. Come with thanksgiving. Come with praise. Come with this sense of awe, reverence. We don't take these moments lightly. We don't just check religious boxes. Are special moments. I remember the first few weeks that we were trying to reopen after COVID. It had been shut down for eight months or something crazy like that. Just going, God, this, we need this to be together like this. I don't know what you're doing here, God, but we want you here. We need your presence here. We come collectively as your people, as your church. We come, God, with hearts just to worship and gratitude. I think for you and I, just to have that sense of gratitude, that awe, so good for our hearts. Things we just take for granted. Last thing I would say is this, is come with, a, come with an offering. When you come into the presence of God, you're coming into the presence of God. Anytime you go into the presence of somebody notable, it's very normal for you to bring a gift. 
for you to bring a token of gratitude or a, a picture of your heart. The Bible says that we bring a sacrifice of praise. We bring a gift to our king. It's an offering. It costs us something. Oftentimes, we walk into moments like this to get something, not to bring something. I think if we're going to enter boldly, to have this mindset of like, oh, God, I get to bring you my best today. I get to bring you my heart. I get to bring you a sacrifice of praise today. I get to bring you a, a gift today. I get to bring a tithe. We, Justin was up here earlier talking about tithing. Or even now, we've been praying for weeks about an offering, a special offering. This one-time give called Shelter. It's that little card that's on your seat. I want you to grab it. Because it's just a picture for us to go, oh, God's been inviting us to be praying for the last several weeks about how to become a, a place of shelter. And you've been praying. Many of you are here today because God said, I want you to give in this offering financially to become a church of shelter, a place where people can find refuge from their struggle. Maybe it's just a moment, a breath, a glimpse of reprieve so that they can get their eyes, their focus on Jesus. The language comes from Matthew 13 when Jesus says there's a mustard seed. It's tiny. But when it's put in the garden, it grows to become the largest tree in the garden. So big, in fact, that even the birds of the air come and find shelter in its branches. This picture of people in Scripture finding a moment of reprieve. I was thinking of Elijah in the desert as he's running for his life. God meets him under a tree. Jonah, when he's mad at God, waiting for God to smoke Nineveh, God grows a plant, a shade from the scorching sun over Jonah's place. Zacchaeus climbs a tree to just get a glimpse of Jesus. So many places where this shelter is provided so people can get their focus on Jesus. This offering is going to be a moment for us as a church to go, hey, let's, let's invest in us becoming a place of shelter as a church. It's a one-time gift over and above our normal offerings, our normal tithes. But it's a chance for us to invest in one heart where we're providing, meeting the needs of kids. We're gonna, this week, we're gonna give away Thanksgiving meals to close to 500 kids through one heart. Isn't that pretty amazing to be a part of that together? This offering isn't going to that specifically. This offering is, is us saying, hey, let's continue to grow one heart and let's, let's bring people that are passionate about it on board with us and excited to give towards it. Also, we're going to grow our recovery ministry. It's just blossomed. It's just a year old now, but God has been growing it so powerfully and so massively. We see the need to provide more leadership, more people uh, helping be a part of meeting the needs of people that are stuck in any kind of bondage, any kind of hang-up, any kind of addiction. We want to help set people free, as well as our benevolence ministry. We pay for people to have utilities, rent, keeping them in a place of shelter, keeping them in a house. Sometimes when somebody hears that we're going to help them with that rent payment that's so far behind, 
Our pastors, our team gets to see this every week. There's just this sense of relief. Like, oh. Those are the moments where God can provide a sense of like, somebody sees me, somebody knows me. We're going to also add to that benevolence ministry a food room. We've never had one here. But we believe God's calling us to build one. And figure that out and get that connected with that. And so this offering today is going to those four things. And I believe it may start like a mustard seed, but it's going to grow so big that birds all over, people all over the city are going to find shelter in the branches of what God is doing here through you. So this offering that we are bringing today is an opportunity for us to enter boldly into God's presence. So I want you to take that card for just a moment and just close your eyes. Just pray. Many of you have been praying for weeks and God has been speaking to you about what to give. Just allow him to confirm that in your heart or if he needs to change that or stretch that in your heart. Others of you, you know God hasn't told you to give, but you're allowing him to speak right now about how you might be a part of what what he is doing here. I want you to take that offering envelope that's on your seat. If you've already used it, maybe steal one from nearby you. If you're going to give today in that shelter offering, just make sure you write shelter on that envelope. If you want to do it digitally, you can see the text number here on the screen. You text a dollar amount to that number. It'll send you a text back. Just click on that link. And when you're there, make sure you select real life. Step one, that's a really good step, right? Select real life. And then up in the right corner, click on the bars in the right corner, and you'll see give, hit give. And from that page, you'll be able to select shelter offering 2022. This is our moment right now just to bring this offering before the Lord. I'll just give you a moment right now as you're filling out the envelope or you're texting that in. God, you're so faithful. We thank you for this chance, God, to give, to bring an offering. We thank you for this chance, God, to put this mustard seed in the ground, God, and see what you would do through it collectively, God. We're trusting, God, that you're going to speak, lead, move through this offering, God, that you're going to multiply this offering. God, that you're going to make it something supernatural, that lives are going to be impacted all over the city, all over the world, God, through this moment of generosity, God. We're trusting you, Jesus, to take these these offerings, God, make something supernatural out of it. Hearts would be impacted. Lives would be changed, God.